It's the last message in our Come and Go series. How many of you guys have been getting a lot out of this series? Give me a hand clap. Give me a whoo. Uh, it's been a fun series, and it's been challenging for me. And if I'm going to be honest with you guys, there were messages in this series that I did not want to hear. How many of you guys, you don't have to give a hand clap for that one, but how many of you guys feel me, right? You're like, Lord, don't, don't convict me here right now. It's 2020. I need a break. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll deal with this later. That's kind of how I've, like, viewed my, like, weight loss stuff. Like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm going to eat a pizza because 2020 is hard. But God has been convicting me, and he's been convicting me a lot. And, and as I put this message together, it was different than most messages that I've written. Because uh, if you guys know me, I, I usually just tell a bunch of stories and, and try to make everyone laugh. And hopefully I teach you something along the way. But, but I, it was just so cool. Uh, I have six pages of notes, which to you may sound like a lot. To you, it may sound like not very much, but like 96% of my notes is scripture, uh, which is the way it should be, right? Because we're in a Bible-believing church, and we believe in the power of scripture, amen? But I, I don't really have, yeah, you can give that a clap, come on, that's, that's what we, but as it stands, I'm, I'm preparing this message, and, and this is kind of the culmination of this series, we've been talking about discipleship, and and as I'm reading through, I could have just read Galatians 1 through 6, which is the whole book, and been like, bye, have a good day, because that kind of encapsulates what we're talking about here today, and that's complete transformation, right? That's what this is titled, this complete transformation, and I think that we go to a weird place sometimes as Christians when we think of this, Right? But as we get into this message, we've understood, we've talked about the gospel, we've talked about discipleship, we understand that the reason for this, right, we come, Jesus said, come and follow me in Matthew chapter 4, and he said, go and make disciples in Matthew chapter 28, and so we have this understanding that we're to be discipled, and you can be discipled by a number of things, you can be discipled by the media, you can be discipled by um, well-meaning people, you can be discipled by Jesus, or a combination of that mixture. Uh, hopefully most of us are being discipled directly by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. That's our aim. That's our goal. Come on, we can clap for that. You got to help your people out. And somebody's clapping for a good word. It's not because I'm awesome. It's because God is working. Let's, let's celebrate. Um, but, but if you can be discipled by all of these things going on around us, then, then our goal is to kind of hone in onto the purpose and the message of the gospel, to the, to the purpose and the message of God. And, and that's what we're talking about with transformation. And, and I'm going I'm to jump into this by reading this scripture. It says in Philippians 2, cha- uh, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, it says this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I want to really extrapolate this for you. I really want to, to narrow in on what this is talking about because I think a lot of times as believers and why it gets so weird and why this is going to go super theological today is because we have a disparity. We have this conundrum, right? We understand that in Christ, we can't behave certain ways, but, but it's not about behavior, right? Jesus didn't come and die on the cross so that you would behave better. 
And if your goal is behavior modification, you've already lost the battle because that's not what Jesus came for. But we, we live in this conundrum, right? we live in this paradox where, where we know that the old way of life, the old way of living is no longer sufficient for a life inside of Christ. So, so, so we have this work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Now, I want to clarify for you that the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you're saved. Like, that's what the Bible says. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all you need. There is no work necessary. It is by faith you have been saved through grace so that nobody can boast. You didn't do anything to earn it. We have that understanding. So what does this mean? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How, it feels so complicated and convoluted because we're not, our goal isn't to just try to be better people, but we gotta work out our salvation. We know that sin was the reason that there was separation, and so the, the natural response as a believer is to go, well, I just gotta stop sinning, right? How many of you guys are, come on, let's be honest, I, I've been there. I've just gotta do better. I've just gotta do more good things and less bad things. I've, that's, and, and we equate that to working out our salvation. And, and I think that's good and it's noble, but there's something deeper that God wants to get. Again, if your goal is behavior modification, you've probably lost the battle. You know, I, 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 it made me think, um, I lied, I do have a story for you. <laughs> Thank you, the one clapper. So uh, there was one point in time, we had a really big, like, evangelistic burst in our youth group, and we had 50 kids in our youth group. Yeah, come on, that was fun. This kid's going to have fun at youth group, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, was, I was in Whitewater at my home, and I get a call from one of the youth leaders, and they're like, uh, hey, man, uh, stuff is hitting the fan. Uh, we need you to come here and help us out. And so I, I, I drive to Jefferson, and uh, <laughs> uh, a kid had thrown a pizza against the wall, and he tried breaking one of the windows with a chair, and there was a student who came to youth group and snuck into the bathroom to smoke some weed, and then another student found that student and was like trying to to fist fight, like punch her because you can't do that at youth group, which is true. Don't do that at youth group. And then three other kids who were like grounded. I'm not making this up. This happened last year, two years ago, maybe. Uh, uh, like, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Last year, this happened. And so like three or four other kids were grounded from everything except for youth group. Their parents were like, you can't do anything in your whole life right now, but you can go to youth group. And so they came to youth group, saw the craziness and was like, yo, let's bounce. And so they went to McDonald's to hang out and then came back like three minutes before their parents came to get them. And in this night, mind you, there was somebody here and students were like up front getting healed like miracles and stuff were happening. And in the back, <laughs> all hell was breaking loose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, so I show up. One kid tried punching Yance. Uh, 
And all this stuff is going on, and we're sitting down, and youth leaders are crying. Uh, people are like, wow, some amazing things happened, but I don't even know what to do right now. And they're like, they're freaking out. And, and, uh, and so I'm sitting down with these students, and I'm just talking with them, and I'm just, I'm just ministering to them the love of God. And that was kind of the, the realization the Lord had told me, behavior modification isn't our goal. You know, and so I, I asked these students, why do you like coming to youth group? And one kid, the kid who tried to punch the, the youth leader, he said, because uh, I know there's something here and I, I want it, I just don't know what to do. You know what I mean? And that kind of broke for me. And, and, and we kind of come to Jesus powwow with the leaders afterwards. And, and it was a turning point for us in our ministry because we realized that there are kids who are coming here who are broken, who have no concept of the spirit of God, but they see it lived out in us. And, and, it, and, it, and it's, yeah, come on. It's just so important that we understand rules and the law and regulations uh, even our will is not going to change us. When it says to work out our salvation, it's not talking about our spirit being saved, right? When you accept God, that's all you need. But we still have a flesh that we're working out. Romans says, why do I do what I don't want to do, but I do what I hate? If you actually look into the ex meanings of those words, he's saying, why does my flesh do what my spirit hates? We have now an internal war going on between our flesh and our spirit, and guess what? Your flesh is not going to change by sheer will or motivation. It's only going to come by spending time in the manifest presence of a holy God. It's only going to come. Listen to this scripture. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, everyone say, you, however. You, One more time. You, however, you, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You guys find it interesting that the disciples spent three years with Jesus in his earthly ministry, and they were whacked out of their mind, right? Like, wouldn't you think, like, if Jesus was just here in Jefferson, Wisconsin, just walking around, doing the things that he did, I would follow him, and I would just get it, right? You would think that. You would think, you would totally think that. You know what it says? John and James, they went to their mom and was like, hey, mom, you should go ask Jesus if we could be in a place of honor with him. You know what I'm saying? How, come on, man. Like grown men, like you're a man in that time at 13. And these guys are like, hey, mom, help us out. Go talk to Jesus, <laughs> right? They were so like, you look at the stuff that they did and said it, and you're like, well, you guys don't get this at all. And Jesus is like, how long do I got to be with you guys? <laughs> 
you're not getting it at all. You see, this is such a powerful thing when we understand the manifest presence of God, the spirit of God, because when the spirit fell on those disciples, everything changed. Right? A few days removed from when Peter denied Christ three times, he preached a message, and he didn't just preach a message of salvation. He didn't just preach the gospel. He actually preached a pretty harsh word. He said, you killed Jesus. You believe that? The Spirit of God fell upon him. He said, these guys aren't drunk, and you killed Jesus. And 3,000 people got saved. You see, Time in the presence of God changes everything. Hebrews 9.14, it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? It's all about the spirit. And once more, we actually have Jesus as an example of how you live this life out inside of the spirit it says in ephesians 5 it says imitate god therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following the example of christ for he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to god first john 2 says whoever claims to live in him must repeat this with me live as jesus did philippians 2 5 you must have the same attitude as christ jesus had. I mean, it's all right there for us. Like, you remember those bracelets? And I've said this here before, but they're like WWJD. What are they? Right? What would Jesus do? That always confounded me. Because I'm like, we don't have to ask what would Jesus do when we can say what did Jesus do? And if you're, if you're wondering what Jesus did do, you actually have access to historical documentation to the facts of what he did in his life with his ministry. He spent time with the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to get into this complete transformation, this fancy word that theologians call sanctification, the first thing we need to do is we need to shift our mindsets. Another word for shift your mindset is the word repent. All right, and we're going to dig into this. This is the stuff I love. I'm a theology nerd. You wouldn't know it uh, by, by looking at me. I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean anything. But, but I just love theology. I've, I, I, I've, I started about 10 years ago. I, just, I had a youth pastor who was a cool guy, and I just believed everything he said, you know? And he started believing some pretty weird things, but he sounded real smart. And um, so I just like was like, yeah, that you you read that from the Bible. I believe you, you know. And as I started reading the Bible for myself, I was like, whoa, I think you're wrong. I don't think that's what the Bible says. And it challenged me, and I was really confused. And it honestly, by believing bad things about God and God's character, it actually almost ruined my marriage. Like two years in. My wife's like, what are you doing? Why are you saying that? That's not true. And I'm like, yes, it is because this, you know. And so I dug in and I read for myself and I read through the Bible front to back 10 times in, in a summer. Um, it's not that amazing. I was just desperate. Like I just had no idea what God was actually saying and I needed to find out. 
And so that kind of grew my love of theology. And I realized that when we have a bad representation of God's character, and this has nothing to do with my message. I'm just going to side note this for you. If you're taking notes, think of this. If you have a bad representation of God's character in your theology, you're going to treat the rest of the world based on how you think about God. And so if you view God in a bad light, you're definitely not going to do any of this right. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I love you, my one clapper. You're great. Amen. It says this in Romans. It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Greek word for the word transform is to change into another form or to transfigure the same word used when referring to Jesus in the transfiguration where he completely changed even his outward appearance. To transfigure, to transform, uh, comes from the word meto, which is where we get the word metamorphosis, which is like a butterfly, right? It is an ugly, gross-looking, grubby worm thing, caterpillar, and then it goes into a cocoon and it comes out gorgeous, like a butterfly. That's the same word. That's where we get that word from. It says it will transform you, transfigure you, uh, which is the, the same root words that we get repent from, to turn around, to change, to transform, to transfigure by changing the way you think. Hey, I was thinking this way. Nope, now I'm going to turn around and think what God thinks. My mind is set on what God's mind is set on. Here's an interesting verse that trips me out, and it trips me up, and it is, convicts me a lot, and it's very simple. There's one sentence. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, again, we think about that, and we instantly go to behavior modification, and that's not actually what it's about. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians. It says, <laughs> It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. He's talking about the gospel. He says, for his spirit searches out everything and shows God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Later, later on in this passage, it says that you actually have the mind of Christ. See, if God wants to transform you by changing the way that you think and that we can know and discern his thoughts because of his spirit in us, he's saying that you can actually understand how you're supposed to live. And then in Romans 12 too, it says, then you'll be able to know and discern God's will for your life. How many of you guys have ever questioned, God, what is your will for my life? Come on, let's be real with ourselves. God, what do you want from me? How am I supposed to live? What does it mean to know and understand God's will? Well, it is to actually think like he thinks, right? If, if you guys aren't convinced that God's spirit is the one that's in you that is doing this in you, it says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ to the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who, say this with me, lives in you. Who lives in you? Colossians 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. 
right? The Bible says that you are actually crucified with Christ, and now you are raised to life. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Galatians 2, 19 through 21 says, For though... For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. What I'm saying here is, if you're just trying to... uh, uphold the law, if you're just trying to do all of the right things, Christ died in vain. You see, it's so interesting to me, and what shakes me to my core is when Jesus said, uh, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? But it's not about the law. It's so confusing if, if you don't understand that, that spending time and allowing God to renew your mind and focusing on him, actually just, sin just goes away because you become more like Jesus. Because you have his mind, you have his spirit. It is no longer you who lived. And so Jesus isn't just our example, he's our Lord. And inside of a relationship with Jesus, the things that are not of God begin to dissipate. And the things that are of God begin to Uh, expand in you. And so you are able to set then your minds on the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Because it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Listen to this, Galatians 5, 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So again, it's not just about the do's and don'ts. It's about keeping in step with the Spirit, setting our eyes, our mind, our hearts on the things that God is doing and then allowing that other stuff to go away. It's not about behavior modification. It's about the presence of God manifesting himself in our lives. And when that happens, the fruit of the Spirit is gonna be evident, right? 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 The fruit of the Spirit is going to be evident in our lives. And, and it, says, it says something so powerful. It says, against the, uh, uh, let me read this so I don't butcher it. Against such things, there is no law. See, it's not about not doing these things. It's actually the freedom in Christ that you don't even have to bother with them. Right? This is sanctification. This is what it means to work out your salvation, to get before the Lord and just open your hands to him. 
It's so interesting in Galatians that it says, against these things there is no law. Can somebody tell me what the, the greatest law in the Bible is, what Jesus' is the greatest commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It says that in, in Romans, it says that love is the fulfillment of the law. So if you love God and you spent your time in his presence, you wouldn't do these things. If you loved your neighbor, you wouldn't sin against them. That's what it says. And so we actually have a test. We actually have something that can show the fruit of our lives. And that's what it's about. It's not that you do a bunch of things so that you can get closer to God. It's that when you get closer to God, your love will be evident and there's no law against it. You see, if you get into a relationship with God, you're going to begin to be kinder. Uh, you're going to begin to, to be, be more patient. And the fruit that you will bear will be the Holy Spirit coming alive in you. And people will notice that. And it's so interesting and it's so convoluted if our mind isn't right and we don't understand what God's doing. And I'm not accusing you guys of that. I'm simply saying I've done this and this is what I see. And so we get into this process of sanctification, especially when we think about discipleship, right? Because we want to look and do exactly what Jesus did and looked like. And so the only way to do that is to dig in and to see what he did, to see what he looked like, to get with the Spirit of God. And by the way, the Spirit of God is so cool. It says in the Bible that he will teach you all things and remind you everything that I have said. That's the words of Jesus. And so if you are wanting to know what Jesus said, dig into the Spirit of God. Dig into your word, which is the manifestation of Jesus. And as you do that, as that spirit comes out of you, the fruits of that spirit, which are good, come out of you, you will begin to jump into the second part of the sanctification process, which is actually pouring out. You see, we come to the Lord, we spend time in God's presence. He changes us. It's not a sheer will act. It's God's spirit softening our hearts, making us more like him, giving us his fruit changing the way that we think so that we think like him, so that we discern like him, and then we actually pour out like him. And I think that there's something that happens in, in the church world that um, we don't often want to admit, but I think, and you guys don't have to raise your hand or point at your spouse or anything, but I, I'm just, I say that because I see it a lot. Um, We get a little entitled, right? We get a little bit in our own box. And, and I think 2020 has done that for me. I was, I was depressed, man. I was struggling with depression. I was battling depression. And I was inside myself. <laughs> I wasn't pouring out anywhere. So I was like, God, what the heck? I was supposed to go on sabbatical in March. I was supposed to go on a couple trips. I, I had a bunch of things planned. I was going to some conferences. I did all, and I was like, all this got canceled. I'm like, why? And I just got so like, I needed those things. I deserve those things. How many of you guys, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, put your hands up or anything. I'm not going to out you, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you feel me? 
think the thing that stops us from pouring out is just getting entitled, getting inside of ourselves. But, but if we actually did the things that Jesus did, and it was from a pure place of fellowship with the Spirit, we would get outside of ourselves, and we would serve people the way that Jesus served people, out of the overflow of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to actually do something. I'm going to, if the Bible said to, to, if we claim to abide in him, we must walk as Jesus did, then I think we need to do that, right? Um, so it says in John 13, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you not understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example as you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's about actually humbling yourself the way that Christ did. Because when, actually, when we go on in Philippians, when we read the whole scripture, it says this. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Say that with me. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Everything that he did was for you and me and the rest of the world out there. Everything. He died a criminal's death. The Bible says, cursed is those who hang on a tree and he hung on a tree for you. My question is this. I think it's easy to say that I would die for God. Right? You're like some hero of faith, some martyr. I would die. But my question for you is, would you live for him? See, the idea of transformation is, is it becomes more complete when the lordship of Jesus is manifest in our actions. It doesn't mean he loves you anymore. It doesn't mean you're saved anymore. It means that the evidence of a life with Christ is the fulfillment of your service to those around you. Not that you'll get more, not that you will know God's love more, not that he'll love you more. But that it's evidence of that love living through you. See, God has a plan for his church. He wants a pure and spotless bride. We know what the actions that lead to death are. And we know the actions that lead to life.
his time in his presence evidenced by the pouring out of his presence. It says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with God, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, the process of sanctification is truly manifest when we begin to look more like Jesus. You know, that's, that's where the term Christian came from, and I know you guys know this story. People are like, oh, is that Jesus? Oh, no, wait, that's one of his disciples. I, he, he was doing the exact same things as Jesus. I got confused. Christian means little Christ, right? The process of sanctification is manifest when we begin to look like Jesus. And as people who are going to go into this world and make disciples, we're not making, I'm not making Joe disciples. I'm pouring out the spirit of God to make Jesus disciples, right? That's what this is about. Listen to this. I'm going to end with this scripture. It, it has been kind of a guiding verse for me ever since I got saved. It's in Jude chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter, verse 17 through 23. It says, dear friends, Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's loves as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire to show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. You see, the number one act of service that we can have as believers in Jesus is by sharing with people the love of Jesus. Serving their needs, yes, but showing them the life and the light of Jesus. He didn't die on the cross for us to get internal with our faith. He wants us to serve people out of the abundance of our faith in Christ. And this isn't just through humanitarian effort. It's literally showing, showing uh, mercy to those who doubt, but snatching people from the fire. Come on. If you want to make disciples... It's not just by doing good things. It's by ministering the Holy Spirit onto people. So you're not making you disciples, you're making Jesus disciples. If you got one thing today, I would pray that you'd get that the Holy Spirit wants to work in you so that he can work through you. That's what this whole series has been about. That's the culmination of it. it all leads to this point that we need to understand. And it's not a new revelation. We kind of say it all the time in different ways. But God is moving. I believe he's building a church that's going to serve like he served and love like he loved. And pour out like he poured out. Would you guys stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we just love you so much. 
God, we think about what you've did as our example, but more than that, as our Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would dwell in us richly, that our lives that we live would not be for ourselves, but we would be transformed, that we would be um, renewed in the image of our creator as we buried our old life in Christ so that we have been resurrected with him to new life, that we can begin to walk empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk out that life uh, worthy of the calling we have received, not just behavior modifying, but Holy Spirit transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.